0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. If you have the passion, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't, just leave it. I'll read it to you. Um, Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 16. Let me emphasize this. as you yield your dynamic life and, As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit... You will abandon the cravings of your self-life, or basically the natural realm. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. I'm going to carry on with this next week. I want to start a new something that I'm, it's kind of an extension of where we've been. And... The problem with it is that I've only got about 30 minutes and so I can't get into the whole thing today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start, but I'll carry on with it next week. So I really want to establish and set a good foundation this morning for what we're going to get into. I'm very excited about it because the Holy Spirit's given me something that I think will be quite dynamic. Are you ready to have your life shaken? Yes. Yes. Are the rest of you ready to have your life shaken? Yes, I'm ready. yes Rafa! I'm going to give you something today that is going to shake your life. It'll change your life dramatically in a spiritual way. And I can tell you that because it never came from me. I'm not smart enough to come up with it. So it's going to be really good. The thing that's always been very important for me is I want to be able to live lifestyle Christianity. I find for a lot of people, their Christianity is a part of their life, but it isn't their life. Sundays are a part of my life, but it isn't my life. My relationship with God is a part of my life, but it isn't my life. And I don't believe that God called us to live in a, in a sense where we have a, a difference between the two. All of them should come together as one. On my spiritual journey, I think the thing that's always been interesting for me is that I am exposed, or I'm just talking about me, I have been exposed to so much stuff which is really good spiritual stuff, it's fantastic spiritual stuff, it's been so um, wonderful. The, The challenge with it is I had no concept as to what it really was. I don't know if you've ever had that spiritual walk. You can talk the talk, you can talk the lingo, you can say all the right stuff, and you can say it at the most appropriate times, and you sound really good, and you sound really spiritual, but actually, we really don't have a deep understanding as to what it is that we're saying. Well, it was for me anyway. But I find that it's getting a little bit better. Spiritual things and spiritual depth is important for us, but always make sure that in the context of spirituality, there is a practicality involved in it. Anytime we get spirituality that hasn't got a practical effect on our life, we have to kind of take a step back and say, hold on, what am I missing here? Because God isn't intent in living in our head. God wants to affect and touch and change our life. Sometimes we're not exposed to spirituality, but we find ourselves in a place where we're exposed to religion. And what religion wants to do is religion wants to get you to a place where you are living a moral life and you're doing good things. The intention is good. The intention is well-motivated. The problem with it is that it's powerless. And so we find ourselves in this interesting dynamic between um, the spiritual side and the fruit of what we're trying to do. But how do we do it in God's context so that we understand it and we move in it in a dynamic and a very real way? God is going to meet you at a place called your heart. I'm going to speak to you about some stuff today and I'm going to start to get into it. And I'm going to give you some definitions of some things and why I think that those places are important. We hear that all the time. You've got to be a heart person. God's going to meet you in your heart. And it's like, it sounds so good because it sounds so deep and it sounds so spiritual. But what does it actually mean? I want to point out to you today, and I want to take us on a journey so that we really have an understanding and we're able to move into a more dynamic way of working with God. Because I do believe that God is going to meet you in your heart. I'll get to the definition just now. Just stick with me on the journey, okay? Kind of setting things up because we're going somewhere. I've got two weeks to do this. He's going to do something. God is going to meet you in your heart. The the, The moment that you were introduced to Christ... And he came into your life. He met you as a result of what he did in your heart. Unless a man is drawn of the Holy Spirit. Where is he going to get to you? He's going to speak to your heart. And he's going to invite you to a place where you want to get into a relationship with God. And when you decide to do that, what ends up happening is the life of God comes inside and takes up residence on the inside of who you are. Your spirit man becomes a brand new creation. The challenge that we have is this. We are spirit beings, but we're having a natural experience. And so God finds himself in an interesting paradigm because although you might be a spirit being, the fact of the matter is when he made you, he gave you and created you with flesh and he put you in a world so that you could have an existence. All of that stuff constitutes the natural. If we simply had a spiritual experience, it's wonderful once we get into the spiritual realm. The thing about it is we're having a natural experience. The challenge with so many people is that we serve a spiritual God, but I don't feel him where I am. I don't experience him where I am. I don't know where he is. I know that he exists. I do believe that. But I don't know where he is in my life and I can't access him. There's an accessibility issue. God's intention is that there's never an an accessibility issue in our lives. He wants to come in and he wants to meet us in a place where we're able to engage with him in an emotional way. That is a shock To so much of the church. Because we've been taught that your emotions aren't important. Your emotions shouldn't govern you. Your emotions shouldn't have any kind of effect. And I believe that they do have their place. But I understand that the way that God has created us. They play a far more fundamental role in who we are and how we partner with him. Than perhaps we've ever recognized before. God wants to meet you in your heart. God's going to meet you at a place where you're able to take the things that are spiritual and introduce it into a gateway so that you can walk it out in the natural realm. It's a place called your heart. Why is your heart important? Because your heart is the area of your life that is most sacred. The natural person. You know why? Because it's in your heart where you harbor A treasure. It's in your heart that you have a treasure, and the treasure that you harbor in there, the treasure that's taken residence on the inside of you, the treasure that was built into you when you were created is there to produce your life. The treasure is resident on the inside of you. And it's resident in our heart. Luke chapter 6 begins to talk to us a little bit about that treasure, and it says, Guard your treasure. Take care of your treasure because the thing about it is God has built you in a way so that whatever begins to define the substance of your treasure, whatever comes in and becomes the substance that gives definition and starts to give an identity to that treasure is going to be responsible for the fruit you produce in your life. The productive center of your life is not your head, it's your heart. What he's saying is that's where your treasure is. When he speaks about the good treasure in your life, he's not talking about what he's, he's not talking about the goodness. Because he talks about the good treasure and the evil treasure. The treasure is the productive capacity. What he's saying is, I've built something into, on the inside of you that is going to determine the course of your life. It's a treasure that's built in, but something's going to define it. Either good or evil. And whatever gives definition to that space is what is going to drive your life. That's why God's interested in your heart. We were created that way because when he comes into that space, all of a sudden, the very part of me, which is the productive center of my life, the treasure of my life, who he is and the substance of him, starts to give definition to that. And all of a sudden, it's something that begins to influence and spill out into my life. And it becomes an experiential reality for who I am. With God, all roads lead back to the heart. When you were born again, and the life of God came and lived on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit took up residence on the inside of you. In John chapter 16 and verse 14, it says, The Spirit of truth will take the things of mine, the things of Christ, and reveal them to you. Where is He going to reveal them? He's going to reveal them to your heart. Everything from the inside is sitting saying, let's go to that place. Let's go and find the treasure. It's on a treasure hunt. Everything on the outside is on a treasure hunt. The reason that he's given us the word of God is because when you open the Bible and you begin to read the Bible and you begin to read the words on the page, what ends up happening is it's going to start to affect you. It affects us in the way that we think. Our interpretations and our understanding of what's on the page is affecting how we think. The theology of what's happening as we read and and what we're exposed to in people's teachings and and people's preaching. And and the, the doctrines that we're exposed to are all of those things that come in and begin to affect our mind. And they plant and they have influence in that space. But he's not content to live in your mind. What he's saying is I'm in pursuit of revelation. Revelation is about your heart. Everything from the inside and everything from the outside on with God is heading to one place. It's heading to convergence in one place called the treasure of your life. And it's a place that is secured in your heart. What I'm proposing to you today is this. It's the place ...at which we encounter our Christianity... ...doesn't go any deeper than our understanding... ...we will never walk into an experiential relationship with God. If the depth of our Christianity doesn't go any deeper than our ability to understand and comprehend. If it doesn't reach down and touch the very treasure of my life, I'll never walk into an experiential relationship with God. I'll know about him. I'll know about his ways. I'll know about Christianity. I'll know about the church. I'll know about history and where he came and what he did. I'll know what the future is and what he's planned for me, but I'll never experience him. I know, but I won't encounter. If you want to encounter God... Your ability to encounter God is totally dependent on Him having access to the treasure of your life. I want you to watch something. I have videos. I have entertainment in case I get boring. This is the commercial break.
1: How many minutes are in a kilometer? Um... Is it like 87? 87, close. Yeah. Down a little bit. 63? 85? 85? 85 is correct! High five, hell yes. Woo! Who is the first person to land on the sun? Lance something, land. Lance. Lance Armstrong is correct. Pretty hot, the sun, right? To land on. You know, his steroids that he took, they allowed him to withstand the heat of the sun. What country is Venice, Italy located in for $100? Do you have any clue? Gosh, I'm gonna be a teacher, so I should know this. Um, (laughs) Paris? Yes, Italy is located in Paris. Right, right. That is correct. There you go. Thank you so much for participating. Today I'm asking people, what is the smallest country in the world? Any clue? Paris? Paris? Okay, good. But which Paris? The one in Vegas or the one in Italy?
0: Italy.
1: Italy. Italy, yeah. Italy! They're correct! Wow, Americans are so intelligent! Where is Madagascar located on a map? Germany? Like Germany, like over there? Germany? No, like Germany over there. Over here? Are you 100% sure? I'm pretty Draw! Where is Queen Elizabeth from? Egypt. Egypt? <laughs> this is, where is it? Brazil, isn't it? What is the biggest city in the world? Europe. It's Europe? <laughs> yeah. Over, over there, Europe? Yeah, the, that one. It's like on this, and you like, look at the map. Yeah, all right, that's cool, that's enough. Thanks. Okay. If you were born in 2021, how old would you be? 21. 21 years old? 21? Yeah, Very 21. good. That's correct. Where is Tokyo yeah. located? Do we have any clue, guys? Isn't that New York? Uh, no. it's, uh, it's like Vietnam, right? Yeah. <laughs> Vietnam is correct. Yeah, it's like the southern part of Vietnam. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, guys, today we're asking: What is the biggest city in the world? Uh, I think it's like, like Asia? Asia. Yeah, Asia. Yeah. Asia. Yeah, Are we serious right now? Yeah. <sighs> where is Brazil located? Oh, uh, I think you're.
0: You're up? I showed you that video for a reason. It comes with humor, which is a good thing. But there is an underlying issue that's really important. What I want you to understand is this. You're going to have to know some stuff to do some stuff. You're going to have to know some stuff if you want to do some stuff. The thing about it is this. If you go for a driver's license, what they're going to say to you is, you need to know some stuff in order for us to give you some stuff, like a license. So they'll give you a little manual and they'll say, go and read it. And when you read the manual, it's going to tell you some stuff. So you're going to get some information. I'm going to learn about stop streets, and I'm going to learn about fast lanes. And sl- Most people fail the fast lane and the slow lane story. They still haven't got that. It's going to teach you about traffic lights. It's going to teach you about yield signs. It's going to teach you about the roads and, and appropriate etiquette on the roads, which most people fail as well. The point of it is it's giving you a whole bunch of information because they know you need to be able to have some stuff in order to be qualified to drive a car the more you know the better driver you'll be it's the same in life get educated don't be dumb this is not for all key people it's for the beach people i'm the point i'm making is this the more knowledge you have the greater capacity for you to do some stuff out in the world The greater capacity to go out and live in certain areas. The reason that we have things like academia and educational facilities is because you know what they've done? They're beginning to discover a wonderful place. It's a place that God created. And they're having all kinds of discoveries as to what constitutes and what makes this whole thing work the way that it does. And they invite you into a classroom so they can share with you a whole bunch of information about the world that you live in. It's why we have school. It's why we have books. It's why we have the internet. It's why people, it's valuable to sit and spend some time talking to people who've been through life a little bit. Because they'll talk to you about, this is what I learned. They'll give you some information. They'll give you some stuff. We've got to have some stuff if you want to do some stuff. If you want to become an accountant, if you want to become a doctor, if you want to move forward in any area of life, go and get some stuff. If you want to become a musician, go and get some stuff. If you want to become more acclimatized to world geography, go and get some stuff. The more you know and the more you have, the more you're positioned to do some stuff. Why is it important? Because the more information that, the, the more that you're exposed to all of these kinds of things, what it does is it makes us people who carry within us knowledge, information, content. And when we begin to live from those things, what ends up happening is I start to develop something called skills. I can do some stuff because I've got the knowledge to do it. And if you're really skilled at it, They'll even label you a professional. The world that we live in was created by him. It is his world, but it's our home. If this is where God has planted us, and this is where God wants us to live, we have a responsibility to understand appreciate, and value to become knowledgeable and skilled at living in our home. It becomes important because what ends up happening is the more knowledge and the more skilled we become, so we become people who are capable. The reason a lot of people are not capable is because they don't have the knowledge. What ends up happening is we become capable. We become people who are productive. When they put us into situations and we have knowledge, it puts us at a place where we're able to add value to situations. How do I bring efficiencies and productivity into the situation? It's because I have some information. I have some stuff and I can do some stuff with it. We have access to more information in this day and age than they ever have in any generation. Use it. It's worked for me. I'll tell you what. I have become a plumber. (laughs) I've become a mechanic. I've become a locksmith. Because an amazing thing happens. When you have a problem and you get onto YouTube and you say, how do I fix a broken lock? You know what it does? It gives you some information. And you're like, oh, I saw it. I see what they did. I think I can do that. And so you go and fiddle with the lock. And the next thing you know, you are a locksmith. You're a jack of all trades, not a professional. But I can do it. I can dabble in it. When you don't know how to change the oil in a four-wheeler, you go into YouTube and you can put in the make and the model. And somebody somewhere thought, I know how to do this. I know what I'll do. I'll film it for the rest of the world to see. I'm gathering information and it builds on the inside of me the abilities that I need and a skill so that I can take and I can change the oil on a four-wheeler and I can say I know what it feels like to be a mechanic because I had some stuff. When the sink gets blocked, where do I go? That's right. And what do I get? And it builds a skill. And what ends up happening? I can go and fix the plug. And what ends up happening is I become a plumber. 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 (laughs) Information does great stuff. Get some information. In the world that you're living in, don't be silly. (laughs) The more you're exposed to information, the more your abilities and your capabilities become expansive and grow. The thing that's important to know about information that we gather is this. Number one, there is no emotional attachment. (laughs) I'm here to teach you how to change the lock. I'm here to teach you how to change the oil. I'm here to teach you how to fix the drain. It's functional. It's all functional in nature. And the thing about it is, once we step into that area and we begin to use those processes repeatedly, it becomes automatic to us. How many of you think, when you get into the car, what comes first? The key or the steering wheel? We know it. It becomes automatic. It becomes rote. That's what happens when we live in information for a protracted period of time. I'm going somewhere. Stick with me. Information is important because information is harbored in a place called our head. It's intellectual in nature. It produces something called intellectual or mind beliefs. It's something that resides in your head. All of us have mind beliefs. Two plus two equals four. Capital of the US. I better not ask that. Somebody might answer it wrong. Washington, D.C. And it's in this country. They're all mind beliefs. It's something that dwells in my head, that lives in my head. If I ever want to access something like that, if I ever want to access something which is information-oriented, I have access to it because it's up here. It's sitting in my head. I have mind beliefs or intellectual beliefs. The thing about it is, information is objective. Okay? This is how you fix the plug. It's given to you. But as we travel through life and each of us have a journey as we move through life, what we discover is we don't live from objectivity. We live from subjectivity. All of a sudden, there's a dynamic that changes in my life because it's all very well me having information. But I begin to recognize that the journey that I move through life and the journey that I'm on is peppered with experiences and encounters that are unique to me. And as a result of that, the takeout that I have from certain experiences are not objective, but subjective, subjective. Have you ever been in a situation with some other people and you leave and then you talk about it afterwards and they're telling you their takeout from the experience and you think, I never got any of that at all. (laughs) What happens? Takeout is subjective. As a result of being exposed to that experience, I had a takeout that came. There was messaging that I got because I was involved in this area of conflict with another person. This happened to me because when I was growing up, something happened in my life, and I had a takeout that came as a result of that. There was messaging that I interpreted as a result of my exposure to an encounter. My messaging is about takeout. There are some things that are really important about understanding subjectivity. Subjectivity is all about an experience and it's all about an accompanying emotion. The thing about it is, it doesn't find a resting place in my mind because my mind is about objectivity. My mind is about information. My mind is about content. So it's sitting saying, well, where do I go? Where can I go? Where do I take something which is unique to me, an interpretation that is unique to me? And where would I house something like that? Because it's something that was developed by me and owned by me, I end up putting it in the most sacred of places, in my heart. But I've got to be careful, because my heart houses my treasure. My treasure is what the production area of my life is. I can't just give anything access to that space because anything that comes into that space is going to be the substance that gives definition to producing my future. But I'm housing all my encounters, all my involvements, all my takeouts from different experiences in life in that space. I like to think, what, what gets housed on the inside there and what takes up root and residence when I allow it into that space is not an intellectual or a mind belief, but a heart belief. The substance that constitutes that place inside of me is a heart belief. Heart beliefs are powerful. Do you know why beliefs are powerful? Do you know why heart beliefs in particular are powerful? Because they have two, what is the right word? They have two elements to them that make them powerful. Two characteristics. Number one, they come with authority. What I mean by that is this. The person who experienced it was me. And because I experienced it, I can sit and say, it's legitimate. You, you can't put something else in my heart. Because the thing about it is, you're all other people. And so you're, what you're telling me may be information, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has access to my life. Because it doesn't necessarily come with authority. When I've had an encounter, my encounter comes with authority. I was there. I felt it, I experienced it, it was credible. It comes with authority. And secondly, it comes with trust. Because that is what I experienced and I know what it was. Because I felt that and it comes from a credible source, I can trust it. It doesn't mean it's truthful. It means I can trust it. My takeout from certain situations could be positive or negative. But because I trust them. Because they come from a place where I trust the source and it's authority based. I allow it access to the treasure of my life. It becomes dangerous for us. Because... What ends up happening is when we live out life our heart beliefs always trump our head beliefs. What you believe in your heart will always trump what you believe in your head. You see I think, let me give you an analogy. What we have in our head, the information that we have in our head is our toolbox. It's all the tools that we have. What lives in your heart is your handyman. So, you decide, for the rest of my life, I would like to be a business person. So, what do you do? You go off to business college. And at business college, what do they do? They give you a whole lot of information. They sit and they're going to immerse you an economics course so that you understand the broader picture, micro and macro economics. And then they're going to speak to you about accounting so that you're able to actually read what's happening and understand what's happening in the finances in the building and in your company. And then they're going to speak to you about marketing. And then they're going to speak to you about business law. And then they're going to speak to you about customer behavior. They're going to give you a whole bunch of information. What are they doing? Filling your toolbox. They're filling your toolbox. They're putting tools on the inside here so that you can use those tools, that you have access to those tools. The more tools you have in your toolbox, the better. The more advanced the tools are in your toolbox, the better. The thing about it is your whole graduating class, all thousand of you, have all been through the same courses. You've all had the same exposure to the same amount of information. All of you are walking out of college with exactly the same toolbox. But all of your lives will be quite different. You see, what differentiates us from people is not what's in our head, but it's in our heart. What distinguishes you from everybody else is not the tools in your head, but it's the subjective realities that live inside your heart. The things that reside on the inside here that are going to begin to give definition and and substance and direction to our lives. So I go out with my toolbox and a person who is risk averse is going to say i think i'm going to go and find my world and my life in the corporate realm i like corporate world because it offers me security oh i can breathe it's big and it's bureaucratic, and it's got 100 years behind it and probably 150 ahead of it, and I'll be long gone by then. I like the fact that it's on the stock exchange. I like It offers me all of these things that placate the fact that I'm risk-averse. I want a safe environment to live in, to live out my toolbox. But somebody else might be somebody who says, you know what, I'm not like that. I want to go and make my mark. I want to see what I can do with the toolbox that I've got. And they become a risky person. And they're prepared to fly by the seat of their pants. And they're prepared to sit and say, I want to be entrepreneurial. I want to be different. I want to have a look at what the status quo looks like. I don't want to get caught in bureaucracy. I don't want my hands shackled with security. I like being free. I like going out there. I like being innovative. I like doing different and new stuff. I like introduction. I love all of that stuff. Yes, it's risky, but boy, is it rewarding. What happened? They had the same toolboxes, but they went totally different directions because the issues of your life are carried in the treasure of your life, which is in your heart. What you do with the information is going to be determined about with what happens on the inside here. We get into relationships, and all of a sudden, can't commit and get emotionally entangled in things because of got trust issues i'll be functional i'll provide for you have all the bills paid we'll get everything taken care of but there's no emotional connection so i can't go to that space that space is scary for me so what do we do we say well let's go for counseling The problem with counseling is you go into a place where what they want to do is they want to examine your toolbox. (laughs) Let's see what tools you've got. Let's talk about the issue. Let's talk about how you think. Let's talk about how relationships should be. They're fiddling in the toolbox. The problem's not the toolbox. The problem is the handyman. We want to try and change people's information. We try, we think that we can convince them if we can present a solid argument. And we may be 100% right in everything that we're doing. The challenge with it is that the drivers of my heart are not in my toolbox. It's the handyman himself. So I have to get into that space where I can start to affect the fundamentals of people's lives. It's not the toolbox. Part of the reason we struggle with God so much is our toolbox is full. But we've got issues with the handyman. (laughs) I know all about God. I can give you scripture and verse. I can tell you where things happened. I can tell you how things used to be. I can tell you about what God is. I can tell you all about God's promises. I'll tell you every single one. The challenge with it is I can't trust Him What's the problem I'm in right now? The issue is not with my toolbox. The issue is with the handyman. The reason that i got such a problem is because the handyman is not prepared to take the tools and do something with them. The only thing to do is you've got to replace the handyman. Most people... And the issues that we challenge with and the issues that we face in life have nothing to do with our theology or our doctrine or our knowledge of Scripture. Most of what we challenge with and what is the biggest issue for our life have to do with the handyman and the heart. Issues of trust, issues of love, issues of compassion, issues of faith. They're all resident in here. They're not resident up here. All too often, that's the problem with religion. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Here's the shock. It's not saying, if you love me, you will prove it by keeping my commandments. That introduces you to religion. What it's saying is, okay, you're going to have a works program going so that you keep and maintain my commandments. What he's saying is, if you love me, if you truly allow me into that space called your heart, if you allow the handyman to be redefined by who I am and my love, what will end up happening is, by default, you will keep my commandments. What he's saying is, it doesn't matter what's in your head as much as what's happening in here. Changing your head is easy. It's changing what's in here that becomes the challenge. Why? There is a reason why he says, God, the treasure of your life. That's why Jesus says, if you give me your treasure, I'll give you my life. If you give me your treasure, I'll give you my life. He's speaking to the heart. What he's saying is the great exchange in our life is all about sitting saying, I recognize in order for me to experience who you are and what you're all about, I have to let you into that place which is about the treasure in my life. I have to allow your substance to give definition to that because when it does, what ends up happening is I'll begin to walk out what that is all about. When I surrender my treasure to you, you will put your life inside of me and I will begin to walk that out. There's a big paradigm shift that happens. You were created as a faith being. You live from faith, whether you like it or not, whether you're aware of it or not. And not all faith is good. We were created as faith beings. A life lived from our heart is a life of faith. What he's saying is, what begin, the substance that begins to define that space is either good or evil. And whichever one is ta- going to take up preeminence and whichever comes into that space and gives definition to it is going to define what the fruit is going to look like. You were built for it. The wonderful news about that is this. You don't have anything to do with working up your faith. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. That's why faith is a gift from God. You cannot create it. You cannot build it up. You cannot you What you can do is you can recognize the fact that God has given me something sacred which is going to define the course of my life. It is called a treasure. And what I can do is I can sit and say, Father, my responsibility is to steward my treasure well. Stewarding your treasure well is becoming the gatekeeper that says, hold on, the production area of my life, the thing that's going to give definition to what my future looks like, the thing that's going to affect my circumstances, my situations, my parenting, my marriage and everything else is coming out of that space. I've got to be on my guard. Put a filter on because what I'm busy doing is I'm taking care of my treasure because anything that I let in there, that substance is going to affect how I live my life, including things from God. That's why faith is of God. I can't get into this now. We'll talk about it maybe next week or the week after. That's why faith comes by hearing the word of God. My words are spirit and life. What he's doing is he's using his word to as substance with your treasure. It's starting the process of redefinition. So it changes who I am and what I'm all about. It changes how I live. God is on a mission to meet you. He doesn't just want you to know about him. He wants to meet you. He wants you to feel him. He wants you to sense him in every possible way. God does not want to be a God who's aloof. We cannot have virtual relationships. God has designed us to have intimate, personal relationships. And that includes Him. And the way that He's created us, we have the capacity within us to be able to experience God, His love for us. His goodness for us, but also to allow that to begin to inform who we are so that it begins to direct the future of our lives. Each of us holds on to something called our treasure. Guard it with all diligence. We're to steward that space. As Christians, don't be afraid of information. Information is good. Find out as much as you can about the world because it will position you to do some stuff. But understand that what you know and the information that you gain, the, the skill sets that you develop, are nothing but tools. It's your tool set. Sometimes when we have problems in life, what we want to do is we want to change the tool set as opposed to having a look at the handyman. Tools are just going to do whatever the handyman uses them to do. If you have the correct handyman, you'll have great workmanship. The reason that there's a disaster is because the handyman has no clue what he's doing. It's simplistic, but I can promise you it's powerful. Because when we begin to recognize how sacred that space is, and we allow him access and him exclusive access to that space, it'll start to change our life. The problem that we have is that we have inherent inherent traits, beliefs that are currently residing in our heart. And those are not easily dislodged. It's possible. That's why he came to set you free. But perhaps it's not the way that you imagined. And we'll talk about that next week because I run out of time. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness to us. I want to thank you for every single person's heart here, Father. I want to thank you that you have intentions for their life and designs for their life. I want to thank you that you entrusted us so much that you gave us a treasure called our heart, that sacred space that gives definition to who we are. I want to thank you for people who are hungry, people who are inquisitive, people who go out and find out so much about their world and their life, their home that they live in, this wonderful place called the world that you created us. To reside in. But I want to thank you Father as well. For people who move to that space. Where the intangibles of life. Those things that come from personal encounters. And those things that are emotionally charged. We allow only the things from you. Exclusive access to our heart.